to say it's been good to be in your house. Thank you for bringing us together today. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Be seated once again. Thank you so much for being here today. Beautiful weekend. Amen. Just a beautiful weekend in our community. I'm sure many of you had the privilege of doing Derek Days. Some of you went out to meet Michael Irvin um, at Funtown RV. There was a lot of stuff going on. Big wedding um, in Dallas last night. I got to be a part of with the Eads family. Their daughter Erica was married to Daniel Owen, and so we rejoiced with that up in up in um, Dallas. So it's a great, great weekend. 21 years ago. The United States, it's hard to believe it's been 21 years, but 21 years ago, the United States was attacked by terrorists flying jets into the Twin Towers and the Pentagon. And I'm sure you can see images of that big pile of rubble in your mind still today that we came to know as Ground Zero. But have you ever wondered what happened to all of that still and all of that rubble that sat there at Ground Zero? Well, interesting, when you begin to look into that, you discover that some of the still was melted and used in the construction of the USS New York. The USS New York was a battleship that was built using 7.5 tons of steel from the Twin Towers. That battleship was commissioned on March the 1st, 2008 to join the global fight to protect our nation against terrorism. And in the ship's crest, I want you to see this on the screen, you can see the Twin Towers along with a motto that says, Never Forget. So here's my question this morning. Can you imagine what a tragedy it would have been If the USS New York remained in the harbor where it was commissioned and it never left the safety of the dock, it never went out to do anything that it was commissioned for. Can you imagine if it never went out and accomplished the task for which it was made? Folks, the good news is that did not happen. The USS New York has now sailed around the world numerous times. It spent time in the Persian Gulf. And after the main perpetrator of the massacre in Benghazi was arrested, he was brought back to the United States for trial aboard the USS New York. Now, here's the point I want to make as we begin. You and I today can easily understand the importance of commissioning a Navy vessel, but do we take seriously the commissioning that Jesus Christ gave to us? You see, Jesus launched us to be a church that's on mission. He he asked us, he launched us as Christians to be missionaries. He launched the church, that's you and me, to go into every single part of the world and to make disciples. And yet for many people, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, that we're going to study this morning, it has become the Great Omission. When a church doesn't make evangelism and missions our top priority... Our first priority, they practice the great omission. When a Christian goes out and never shares their faith with a lost person, they have embraced not the great commission, but the great omission. I want you to take your Bibles today and let's go together and study the great commission as God's people. One of the most important passages, I believe, in Scripture today, some of the most important words Christ ever spoke, Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. Let's go ahead and stand together, church, as we honor 
the reading of God's word by standing. Let's read together. I love to go through this passage with our brand new believers who are getting ready for baptism. Let's read it. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Now, why were there only 11? I thought Jesus called 12 disciples. Well, the answer is easy. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, he was so ridden with guilt that he committed suicide. He he hung himself from a tree. And so it says, then the 11 disciples, those 11 who were left, went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Note this, but some were doubtful, some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, here's the Great Commission, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Today, here's my prayer. That that's not just scripture that we read, but today it's actually the living word of God that fills our hearts and minds and we go out and obey it and we become missionaries for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. Be seated, church. I am so excited about today. As you have already heard, it is Mission Fest Sunday. I think you understand your pastor is a pastor that is all about missions. I want to lead our church into missions. I want every one of us to be missionaries. So I want to start off by talking, as I did last Sunday evening, about one of the greatest missionaries of the modern era. That missionary was named Hudson Taylor. He arrived in China when he was 21 years old to practice medicine and to share the gospel. Hudson Taylor was way before his time. He adopted the dress and the language of the Chinese people. He spent 51 years of his life in China. And he would oftentimes come home to his native England to challenge Christians there to volunteer for missions. And he wrote this, different than what I shared last Sunday night, but just as powerful. He said, can all the Christians in England sit still with folded arms while these multitudes in China are perishing? He said, spiritually perishing for lack of knowledge, for lack of that knowledge which England possesses so richly. He said, the Great Commission is not a suggestion to be considered, it is a command to be obeyed. Folks, by the time Hudson Taylor died in 1901, there were 850 missionaries working in his China Inland Mission and 25,000 people had proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Praise be to God. So today, I want to challenge you. I think God wants to challenge us, and he's asked me to challenge you to, to, to determine what your role is in fulfilling the Great Commission. So I want to consider three things today, all right? Three things about the Great Commission, and the first is this, that Jesus spoke with the greatest authority. Let's start with that. Jesus spoke with the greatest authority. All authority in heaven and on earth, Christ said, has been given to me. What's amazing about the Great Commission is that Jesus originally spoke these words, and we noted this, to only 11 men. And the Bible says some of them, they were still doubtful. But he told those 11 men to go throughout the world with the good news. Now, that reminds me of two milk cows who were eating grass when this milk truck drove by them on the road. 
and the sign on the side of the truck said fresh milk, homogenized, pasteurized, fortified, low-fat, vitamin-enriched. And after reading the description of the milk, one cow said to the other, it kind of makes you feel inadequate, doesn't it? And I think that's how the disciples felt, right? Can you even imagine how they must have felt when they heard this command? I can just imagine Simon Peter, he spoke up and he whined, right? But Lord, we're just 11 men and most of us are uneducated and we're just fishermen. But the Lord said, no, you can't do it. But that's why I'm giving you my authority and the power to do it in my name. Folks, Jesus claimed to have authority in heaven. That means whenever Jesus speaks in heaven, guess what? It's done. He also claimed to have authority on earth. And here's the deal. He's given that authority to you. He's given that authority to me, to to us. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them the power and the authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Folks, we don't go out to share the gospel in the name of Baptist. We don't go out to share the gospel in the name of America. We don't go out to share the gospel in the name of First Baptist Church, Corsicana. We don't go out in our own last name. Well, no, we, we share the gospel in the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. He gave us the authority and the power. Amen and amen, right? Jesus taught with the greatest authority. So, so now let's move to the second thing. Jesus also gave us the greatest assignment. And when you see this, don't you agree? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, let's unpack our assignment for just a moment. The first word that we have to pay attention to is the word go. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Now, Christ used that as a participle. And that means what he really said was this. As you are going, make disciples of all nations. So this isn't specifically a command for us to get up and go someplace we've never been, like Africa or China. Now, it can mean that, right? But what Jesus was really saying was, as you're going through the normal traffic patterns of your life, make disciples. As you go to the grocery store, make a disciple. As you go to work, make a disciple. As you go to school, make a disciple. As you're filling up gas in your car, make a disciple. As you go on vacation, make a disciple. Whatever it is, as you're going, be about the business of making disciples. Now, the other word we have to pay attention to is the word nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. That doesn't mean countries with boundaries like Canada or Mexico or Peru. It's the word ethnos in the Greek. It means we're to take the good news to every what? Ethnic group on earth. Now, when you live in a town like Corsicana where there's a church on every corner, and quite literally that seems to be true, we sometimes forget there are places on planet earth they don't have access to the gospel. If we were to walk up and ask them who Jesus Christ is, they wouldn't have ever even heard the name. And that's why God calls us to go to the nations, right? To the nations. And that's why before COVID, that's what we were striving to do. And I'm going to declare it today. And that's why 
after COVID, that's what we're going to begin doing again. We are going to be an Acts 1-8 church. What does Acts 1-8 say? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, Jesus did give us the greatest assignment. So here's the question. What's your part in it? What part are you playing in it? You ought to be asking yourself, what part can I play in the Great Commission? And and if that's your question, I'm so glad you asked. I've got some suggestions today. What can you do? What can I do to be a part of the Great Commission? Let me just tell you several things I think we all ought to be doing. First, we must be a church that's praying for more missionaries. We need to pray for more missionaries. Go back to Hudson Taylor. In 1853, when he started out from England for China, there were less than 100 missionaries taking the gospel to the people who had never heard. Only 100 in the whole world. But now there are about 100,000 evangelical missionaries from all different evangelical denominations. But folks, here's the deal. That's not even close to enough. We need to ask God for more missionaries. I don't know if you've heard it, but years ago, Lanny Wolf wrote this powerful song entitled, My House is Full. And here are the lyrics. He said, there is peace and contentment in my father's house today. Lots of food on the table and no one is turned away. There is singing and laughter as the hours pass by, but a hush calms the singing as the father sadly cries. My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work my field. No one wants to work my field. Let's bow our heads right now and let's ask God to provide more missionaries. Almighty God, we want to stop in the middle of this message and recognize that however many missionaries there are in the world, it's not enough. And we know you called us to this great commission. So God, today, together as a church with joined hearts and minds, we ask you to provide more missionaries. We ask you to call. We ask for people that are hearing the call of God that they would respond and say, Yes, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. God, call those. Lord, give them courage and faith to respond. To do your mission, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please don't stop doing that. Pray for more missionaries. Second suggestion, love the lost people you know. In other words, you do it right here. Go on mission. You see, God has placed people in your sphere of influence who don't know Jesus. And right now, I venture to guess, you know somebody who does not know Jesus Christ. Somebody who is not faithfully connected to a church and God's people. They're lost without Christ. They may be co-workers, neighbors, teammates, friends, whatever it is. And there are many different ways you can love them to Jesus. But here's the deal. You have to say something. At the very least, you have to share with them the difference that Jesus Christ has made in your life. Just tell them your story. I'll never forget this. Sometime back. 
I was watching this incredible video of Penn Gillette that somebody sent me. Do you know who that is? He's half of Penn and Teller, the Penn and Teller Act in Las Vegas. So Penn is not a Christian. He, he openly claims to be an atheist. But in this video that he created, I think you can still pull it up on YouTube today, he talks about how after one of his shows, a man gave him a copy of the New Testament and asked him to read it. It was a Gideon. He gave him a Gideon New Testament. Now, Penn was not offended, right? In fact, he recorded a video about it. And in that video, if you watch it, he's going to say this. If you believe there's a heaven and a hell, a people could be, that people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life. And you think it's really worth telling them this because if it's not really worth telling them because it might be socially awkward. And atheists who think people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. How much do you have to hate somebody to not try to proselytize them? How much do you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible and to not tell them about it? I mean, he said, if I believe without a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point I would just tackle you. And this is more important than that, he said. I still don't believe any of this, he says. But hey, that was a good man who gave me this book. He says, that's all I wanted to say. So let me quote a self-professed atheist and ask you, if you really believe there is a heaven and a hell, how much do you have to hate someone by not telling them what you believe so that they can have a chance to be saved? Now, that's gut-wrenching, isn't it? Do you realize there's a, there are Christians who have never, ever shared their faith with one single soul? You may be here today and you say, Pastor, I've never led anybody to Christ. Well, here's my question. Have you ever even tried? Ask God to put somebody on your heart who needs you to tell them about Jesus. Love the lost people you know. Simple suggestion. Third, this is connected to Mission Fest today. Get involved in Good News Corsicana. You say, Pastor, what is that? Well, this morning at Mission Fest, when you walk through the door of the gym, and I'm begging you to go, this is not a day to be off from Sunday school and just slip to the restaurant or whatever it is you're going to do. Go to Mission Fest, and when you walk through, you're going to see all these beautiful banners unveiling a new concept for local missions called Good News Corsicana. This is home missions right here in our hometown, and it's going to involve Good News Cafe, Good News Closet, Good News Clubs, Good News Cupboard, Good News Construction, Good News Community, Good News Cares, and now I'm going to give you a, a real opportunity to get involved in missions this week. I want to invite you right now. This Wednesday, Good News Community Outreach Project, we're going to be feeding every single employee at Corsicana High School. Over 200 plus teachers and employees at CHS, and I need some of you on the table out in the foyer to sign up and say, Pastor, I'm going to be there to serve that meal, to welcome them, to shake their hand, and say, hey, we're here because Jesus Christ changed our life. We'd love you to come to First Baptist Church and join us. I only need 12 people. Are there 12 of you today that would say, hey, I want to be on mission for Jesus Christ? 
Come and join me at, at CHS. So get involved in Good News Corsicana. I can't wait for you to see all about it and read all about it at Mission Fest. Number four, how else can I be a part of the Great Commission? Invest financially in missions. Give to missions. Every chance you get, over and above your tithe, over and above what you normally do, make, make it a part of your regular giving to give to people on the mission field. When we have special offerings, we just finished the Annie Armstrong offering for, 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 um, for, step, for nationwide missions. Get involved in that, North American missions. Uh, give to our budget knowing that within it we're doing missions and supporting missionaries. Look in your worship guide today and you'll see how much we gave to missions last year. Nine percent of every dollar you give goes to missions in and through our budget. I'm extremely proud of that. And never forget what Christ said. He said, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, one translation says. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And here's the deal, we've heard it before, you cannot outgive God. I mean, try getting into a giving contest with God sometime. You give a little, he gives back a little more. You give a lot, he gives back a lot more. That's the way it works. Give to missions. And then fifth, just get up and go. Just get up and go. If God's calling you to be a part, give up and go. Did you know 40 years ago, the typical missionary was a preacher type who was seminary trained, and they went out and they tried to start churches. But today, guess what? Missionaries don't look like that. Missionaries don't look like me standing here right now. That's not the way it looks anymore. They're mostly young adults who have technical skills in computers. They're teachers. They're engineers. They're healthcare professionals. They teach English as a second language. They have marketable skills in order to have acceptance in a foreign culture. And then they get in there, and what do they do? Then they just start sharing the gospel with every single person that they meet. So maybe God is calling you. Maybe today, what an amazing thought that God is using me to be an instrument to say, I'm calling you. And what will you say? What will you do? If he's calling you, please say yes and never turn back from the greatest adventure you could ever be on. You see the question, what's your part? Everybody can pray. Everybody can love on a lost person. Everybody can give something. Some a little, some a lot. And some of you right now, you're hearing God's call to leave your comfort zone to discover the adventure of being on mission for Almighty God. Folks, Jesus spoke with the greatest authority. Jesus was gave us the greatest assignment. And now my favorite part, Jesus offers us the greatest assurance. What's he say at the end? Surely, I am with who? You always, to the very end of the age. So here's the great news. We're not alone in this. We're not alone in this. Jesus has promised he's going to be there with us in the task of missions. You say, well, I don't see Jesus. That's because he does this through the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ himself who lives inside of all Christians. How did how did these 11 men handle their commission? Have you ever thought about that? We talked about them being overwhelmed, right? How did they handle it? 
Well, there were 120 Christians gathered on the day of Pentecost. We know that. But after Peter preached about Jesus at Pentecost, 3,000 more believers came into the church. And later in Acts, we see another 5,000 men who were added. And then in Acts chapter 8, there's a great persecution against the church, and they're scattered all over the world, running for their lives. And because of this, Paul and the others, they took the gospel to the entire Roman Empire. And then they all die martyrs' deaths, as history tells us, and the blood of the martyrs became the seed of the church. And within 200 years, Christianity had become the prominent religion in all of Rome. Wow, right? They were hugely successful. But you know, not all of history is marked by successes. Throughout history, and and I'll close with this, The church has missed several strategic opportunities. I want to tell you about this one. Think about the billions of people who live in China and India today. Did you know if the church had not dropped the ball 800 years ago, China and India would be the epicenter of global Christianity today? And here's the true story from history. In the year 1266, Kublai Khan, The grandson of Genghis Khan controlled all the land from the Black Sea, that's Russia, to the Pacific Ocean. It included all of India, all of China. Kublai Khan was interested in Christianity, and his uncle was a practicing Christian. He wanted to know more, so he sent a letter to the Pope in Rome asking him to send 100 Christian missionaries. He said, I will be baptized. And all my barons will be baptized. And we shall all become Christians. There'll be more Christians here, he said, than even in the West. And that letter was delivered to Pope Gregory X. But he was not interested in sending missionaries to this heathen ruler. When Kublai Khan saw no missionaries, he gave up totally on the idea of Christianity. Can you imagine, folks... How the world would be different today if a hundred missionaries had arrived. Can you imagine the difference in world history if China and India had become the center of Christianity and they were sending out thousands of evangelical missionaries even to places like the United States. But folks, the church missed the opportunity. Today, we stand at the brink of another similar opportunity. Listen to this, 70% of the evangelization of the world has occurred in the last century. Christianity is the largest and fastest growing religion in all the world. Advances in technology, advances in transportation. It's allowed us to accelerate the delivery of the gospel message. And every day, you don't know this, 178,000 people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ every single day. But it's not fast enough. And it won't be enough. We need prayers. And we need people. And we need funds to forge ahead into the final areas of the world where people have never heard. You see, everybody has a part to play. First Baptist Church, Corsicana included. So will we play our part? You see, the closing question is this. Will this be the Great Commission? Or will we choose to make it?